As you're being seated this morning, I invite you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, we're in week two of looking at John 17. John 17, as we try and understand the desire of Jesus for our lives, understand God's plan for our lives. John chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6 this week. John 17, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word this morning. We ask that now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would form us. Form us to be people who reflect your image to the world around us. Form us to be the people you created us to be. Form us to be agents of reconciliation. Form us to be people that you redeemed us to be. Almighty God, we ask that your spirit would have his way in our thinking and in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. That dessert was out of this world. That dessert was out of this world. I'm sure that you've probably said that at some point, and if you, hadn't, if you haven't said it, I'm sure that you've wanted to say it. Because how many of you, when you order dessert or get dessert, are saying, I hope this is mediocre? When you get a dessert, what do you want? Every single time, you want dessert that is out of this world. Not only do we want dessert that is out of this world, but we want lives that are out of this world. Who wakes up in the morning and says, I hope today is mediocre at best? Who makes a decision and says, I hope that this ultimately brings disappointment? Everything we want in life, we want something that's out of this world. Or in other words, something that we haven't experienced before or something like that, that's like none other. Out of this world, pure excitement, pure joy. Today, if you're like me, you want to have a life that's out of this world. Well, the good news today is Jesus Christ also wants us to have a life that's out of this world, but not out of this world. Jesus wants us to have a life that's out of this world, but while we remain in this world. Sometimes throughout Christianity, we've made a mistake. 
We've made a mistake that says, our home is heaven, and I'm just here for a moment and just get me away as fast as I can. And we neglect the gift of creation. The ultimate desire of God is not that, okay, Christian, heaven, let's go. That would be easy for God to do. God's desire, though, is that we what? We remain in this world. We've got this tense relationship with the world around us. On one hand, Jesus says, hey, they remain in the world, and I've sent them into the world. On the other hand, Jesus says, and the world has hated them because of the word that I've given to them. We have a love-hate relationship with the world around us. It's kind of like your snowblower. On one hand, your snowblower is fabulous because you're moving all of this product in a short amount of time, and you get done, and you're like, oh, I'm a man today. I feel good. Thing. And you're done quick. But on the other hand, you're thinking, oh, I got to use the snowblower today, and it's really cold. So it's a great gift, but on the other hand, it's a gift you don't want to have to use. The same is true in our relationship with the world around us. Creation is a gift. God created the world, and God said it was good. God created humanity and said, they're in my image. This world is a gift. It's a great thing that we get to live life. Yet on the other hand, the world has fallen into the power of the evil one. In John 17 here, Jesus remarks about it in different ways, but talks about protect them from the evil one and the hatred of the world towards us. So here we have a situation where we're living in the midst of God's creation that is good. Yet, this creation is under the power of evil. And so we as followers of Christ know that it's not all it's supposed to be. And what it's all supposed to be is reflected in heaven where we want to experience that someday in that new kingdom. But yet God wants us to remain here in this world under the power of the evil one. So, because that God just say, hey, you can have an out-of-the-world experience someday when you are out of the world? Or can we have that out-of-the-world experience while we're living in this world? If you have your Bible, look at John 17, verse 13, right in the middle of Jesus' prayer here. As he's, as he's praying about different things, makes an astounding statement. He says, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus is praying that you and I would have his joy while in this world. God did not create us and redeem us to live in this world under a spirit of depression, under a spirit of sorrow and sadness, but Jesus desires that we are people of joy, that we have an out-of-this-world experience as we're living in this world. Joy, what an amazing gift. And at the end of the day, it's actually something we're all in pursuit of anyhow. And God wants us to have it. Well, what is this joy? Joy is a hard word that's hard to define. When people talk about joy, usually they just describe experiences. But what is joy? Joy, you could say, is happiness on steroids. You see, happiness is kind of that momentary feeling of goodness. Joy goes, goes a major step forward in that the literal definition of hap- joy actually is like happiness, 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 happiness. Five times. 
Well, if you're reading your Bible, it won't be good grammar to wherever it says joy to put happiness five times. So if joy is happiness on steroids. Happiness usually comes from an external thing that gives us a good feeling. Joy is an internal sustained gladness overflowing in celebration. God wants us to have an internal gladness that overflows in celebration. That's an amazing gift that He wants us. That's the plan He has for our lives, is a life of joy. Well, what is the source of our joy? I want to look at a couple of different spots here this morning to see if we can find a common theme about the source of our joy. So if you have your Bibles, look with me again at John 17, back to 13, verse 13, where he's praying for the joy thing. Notice what he says, that they may have whose joy? My joy fulfilled in themselves. In other words, Jesus is saying, I hope all of the people have my joy. Jesus wants people to have Jesus' joy. That it's not our joy we get, we actually get Jesus' joy. Look with me back to John 15, verse 11. John 15, 11, Jesus is teaching his followers, and in the middle of this teaching, he says something very similar to what we just, he just was praying about. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Notice the theme again fullness of joy, that our joy would be full, but whose joy is it that's given to us? Jesus. The source of our joy is God himself, that God brings us that joy, and God is the source of that joy. Look with me to Philippians, the book of Philippians. Turn there. We read from there earlier in our service today. You could say the book of Philippians is the book of joy. It's a common theme throughout the book of Philippians that you see words like rejoice or joy in the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 4, that we read earlier. Paul gives a command. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice, why? In the Lord. In other words, the source of our joy is our union with God. Paul doesn't have a lot to celebrate in his personal life outside of the kingdom of God expanding. If you looked at his life from a worldly perspective, you would say he's in some problems. He's in prison. He's most likely aware that at some point he's going to face the ultimate penalty of death. And many Christians around the world's world are being persecuted. He knows this. Yet he writes in this letter and in other places, Rejoice! Why? Because joy is not found in the external circumstances, but rather it's found in our union with the Lord. So the source of our joy, Paul is on the exact same page as Jesus. The source of our joy is God himself. Now go back with me to Psalm 16 that we also read earlier in the service. Psalm 16, verse 11. It's important to see the unity of the Bible. Psalm 16, so here you have the psalmist declaring some negative things that are going on, but then declaring this hope that he has and the greatness that's going on in his life. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Where is the joy found? The joy is found in the presence of the Lord. Where are the pleasures found? The pleasures are found are being the right hand of God. There's a 
constant theme in Psalm, John, and Philippians. The constant theme is this, the Lord is the source of our joy. This morning, no matter what's going on around us, God desires that we'd have an internal state of gladness that overflows in celebration. So how is it that we can pursue this joy? How can I practically go after this joy that God wants us to have? Well, look with me in Psalm 16. Stay there and then we'll work back to John 17. Psalm 16. What, what, is, what does the psalmist do? Look at verse 7 and 8. The psalmist, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Counsel means, in other words, God's wisdom is being given to him. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. He's saying, hey, I'm able to be in this state of joy. Why? Because I've meditated upon the counsel of the Lord. I've set the ways of the Lord before me. So if we want to pursue joy, what we have to do is we have to cling to the promises of God. Even though everything around us is crumbling, we cling to the promise. Look at the promise that he clings to in verse 10. So he says, my whole being rejoices. Then he says, for, in other words, because you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. So the psalmist is clinging to this promise of God that he will never be abandoned. God's promise to be with him forevermore. We pursue joy by clinging to the promises of God or the revelation of God that's made known to us in God's word. Now look back at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We go back there again. The opening thing is rejoice in the Lord. And then he's kind of just giving a variety of different exhortations here or different little commands. Philippians chapter 4. So the first verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And then look down with me in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything with excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's encouraging them to what? Meditate upon God things. Meditate upon things that God has made known, things that bring praise to God. Where we set our minds has a great effect on the rest of our lives. Are we meditating upon our negative circumstances? Are we meditating upon the lies of this world? Or are we meditating upon things that bring praise to God? We have to set our minds on the counsel of God and on the things that bring God praise. So the psalmist is, where is the psalmist putting their vision? The counsel of the Lord. Paul's encouraging us where to put our mind on things that are pleasing to God. Now go to John 17. John 17. Back to verse 13 where Jesus is praying for our joy. Verse 13, he says, These things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So, what is he doing? He's speaking something into the world so that we can have joy. And then look at the very next verse. I have given them your word. That, that's what Jesus has spoken into the world, is God's word. 
And now Jesus is saying, hey, I've given them your word, and this word is why the world hates them. But it's this word that sets us apart. It's that this word that we are to cling to. We talked about this last week with the issue of holiness. What sets us apart? It's the truth of God. God's word, that we follow God's word. So, Paul says, set your mind on things that are praiseworthy. The psalmist said, I've set the counsel of the Lord before me. Jesus says, I've given them your word. Something to meditate upon. Something to know. If you want to pursue joy, what do we have to do? We have to cling to the promises and the revelation of God found in God's word. That's why we lift up the Bible so high. We don't lift up the Bible so high because the Bible's an an end in and of itself. We lift up the Bible because it's through the Bible that we come to know God and the purposes of God. The Bible is God's chosen instrument for making himself known. So if you want to pursue joy, we've got to cling to God's word. God wants us to have an out-of-this-world experience while we remain in this world. And the way in which we can have an out-of-this-world experience is by clinging to the one who is out of this world, Jesus himself, who is made known through the word, the scripture. This is why we have to let the scripture meditate in our hearts. Let the scripture just soak over us. Because it's through the scripture that we know Jesus. And Jesus is the source of our joy. You and I... Everyone here, we should all be like big Labradors. You know, big labs, what do they do when you show up at home? They just maul you, thing, lick you, jump up on you. They're just celebrating that there's people here. Labs are just joyous when people are around. We should be like labs. We should be joyous. I think the problem is this. Most of us are like cats. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to offend anyone this morning. I've never really understood the purpose of cats. Thing. They, don't, they do nothing. Thing. You take something out of the house for them, the litter box, clean it, feed, and they show no emotion at all. No sense of thanks. No sense of excitement when you show up. They just stay away or right in your recliner where you want to sit. You know, sadly, that's the way most of us Christians look. La-di-da, just another day. When in reality, we should be like Labradors, celebrating with pure excitement, not because people are around, but because we have an internal state of gladness. You see, labs are dependent upon the presence of people to be happy. But you and I, we've got a bottomless pit of joy. When I was uh, doing youth ministry years ago, I had a young man, uh, he's actually in the room today, we don't want to say any names, but a young man that uh, was in Sunday school class with us, and this young man was notorious for just eating lots of candy all of the time. He was notorious for leaving wrappers in the couches, all of this, and you know how it is when you're sitting in class and someone is slowly unwrapping a piece of candy? You know how annoying that is? You're just like, unwrap it and be done with it really fast. Thing. Well, the problem here was, He'd have his little um, pieces of candy and he'd start unwrapping and just like, just unwrap it and be done with it. And then I'd say, hey, no more of that. Well, the problem was this. I'd say no more of whatever type of candy it was. And next thing you know, out of the pocket comes this box of runts. 
They say, hey, hey, no more runs, please, enough. Well, then what comes out of the pocket? A box of these fruity things like hot tamales. And the weird thing was, this guy used to wear those tight, skinny jeans thing. And so I'm thinking to myself, how much candy can possibly be in that pocket? But I tell you what, that thing was a bottomless pit of candy. Just look in the church couch and you would have proof right there. You said no to one thing, you went in for the next thing. Today, we don't have a bottomless pit of candy. We've got a bottomless pit of joy. Direct, constant access to the one who can bring us constant joy. When the world gets bad around us, when our time in this world becomes a struggle, what do we dig for? We go right back in and we dig for a little more Jesus. Sounds kind of simple and religious and and churchy. It is churchy. But it's true that Jesus is the source of joy. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Today, have you taken advantage of the bottomless pit that you've been given? Have you gone back for more and clung to the promises that God's given in his word? If we start taking advantage of that bottomless pit, we will be like big Labradors in a constant state of celebration because of an inward, sustained gladness. Most of us think about God, and we think of God, we think of angry grandfather, angry father, rule keeper, police officer. And so then we think, well, if, if we can be happy, it's an extra blessing here on earth. God wants us to be happy someday in heaven, but we don't, God doesn't really care if we're happy today. Maybe you've heard the statement, God doesn't care if you're happy, he just cares if you're holy. There was an article that was going around earlier this week that it's true, God does care if you're holy. God also cares if you're happy on steroids. You see, God's concern for our joy and God's concern for our holiness are two sides of the same coin. There's a reason, he says, rejoice in the Lord, that God gives that command, because he wants it. Joy is not an unintended consequence in this life, but it's an intentional gift from God himself. You see, happiness and joy is a byproduct. If you ever had somebody come up to you and say, why are you so happy today? I, I, at, least I, at least what I think of, I don't think I've had anyone ever say to me, well, I'm happy because I'm happy. Usually you hear back something like, well, I'm happy because I got a job promotion, or I'm happy because the kids are coming home this week, or I'm happy because we just got this new tool that we get to try out. You know, happiness is a byproduct of something. Joy is a byproduct. To pursue joy, we don't get joy because we have joy. We pursue Jesus and we get joy. Most of the time, whenever I do a do-it-yourself project, there's a lot of unintended consequences. And rarely do I actually get to enjoy the intended consequences of the project. But there's unintended consequences. Why? Because I'm doing stuff that normally I have no clue what I'm doing. But I plow ahead anyhow and try and get it done. And then what do you end up with? Unintended consequences. You got to call who? The master builder. You got to call the neighbor. You got to call your dad. You got to call someone, come and fix what I've done. 
Now, joy, though, is not an unintended consequence to just something that happens in life. Joy is an intentional gift from God when we abide in Jesus Christ. Joy is called a fruit of the Spirit. It, it's a fruit because it comes from something. Joy comes when we abide in Jesus. Here's the problem. Most of us chase life like I chase my do-it-yourself projects. Look with me at Psalm 16. We'll see what I'm talking about. Psalm 16. Turn back there. Psalm 16, verse 4. Psalm 16, verse 4. What's going on around the psalmist, the one writing this psalm? The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. In other words, the byproduct of chasing after other gods besides the one true God is what? Sorrow multiplied. So here you've got this situation where the psalmist is looking around and people are having hardship. Why are they having hardship? Because they're pursuing other gods besides the one true God of Israel. And then God's word says, hey, it's just gonna, their sorrow is going to be multiplied. Sorrow is, again, a byproduct. You and I do the exact same thing. We chase after multiple gods, thinking that we ourselves, our God, are the expert. When in reality, if we would chase after the one true God, there'd be a major benefit at the end of the day. Joy. Because joy is a byproduct of abiding in Jesus Christ. Joy is a byproduct of being in the presence of God. Joy is not an unintended consequence, but rather joy is an intentional gift from God so that you and I can have an out-of-this-world experience while remaining in this world. This morning, I know for a matter of fact that everybody here wants to have joy this next week. Well, a very simple question for you to consider. Will I cling to this world so tight that I lose this and the next world, or will I cling to Him who is out of this world so that I can enjoy this world? Will I cling so tight to this world that I lose it and the next world, or will I cling to Him who is out of this world so that I can enjoy this world? You want to go forth and have an enjoyable week? Don't cling to this world, but cling to the owner of this world. Who will you cling to this next week so that you can say, it's out of this world? Let us pray. Almighty God, we praise you for who you are. God, we acknowledge that in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. We acknowledge that in and of ourselves, we cannot bring sustained happiness. Today, O oh Lord, we pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would grant us the ability to pursue Jesus. We pray that today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd grant us the ability to trust in your promises. We ask now, O oh Lord, that you would guide us and lead us. We ask now, O oh Lord, that you would grant us that gift of joy. Enable us to experience the joy of Jesus in complete fulfillment here in this world. God, I pray now, 
that each person may go forth and enjoy this next week. In Jesus' name, amen.